appreciate your patience with this um, unusual meeting that we're having tonight. It's exciting to get a chance to hear from everybody. And so we're going to be patient with each other and get through this. I know it's a large group of folks. And so we're going to be patient and we're going to hear from each other. And one person's going to speak at a time. It's going to go just great. <laughs> it, it, the funny thing is it actually kind of did. Um, this, this is Mayor Heather Lindsay in the, the meeting before the meeting, the Tuesday discussion about the North Santa Rosa Utilities Authority the kind of turning North Santa Rosa into a version of ECUA with wastewater and uh, potable drinking water. Uh, not not trash and recycling, maybe? It's kind of uncertain. Um, but in any case, you know, it was a good discussion. It actually was, and it did go fairly well. But later on in the meeting, is not not quite as genial. We talked about that quite a bit yesterday. But Doug Broxson, the senator who's been promoting this bill. When I first came into office 14 years ago, one of my first meetings was to have a meeting with the city manager of Milton to talk about groundbreaking for this new uh, sewer system. We're now 14 years later. Yeah, exactly. And did we do that groundbreaking even yet? And the answer is no. Um, so it's one of the things that people have been trying to understand is kind of like, where did this bill come from? Like out of what thin air? Cause that's kind of what it feels like did Senator Broxson draw this bill? I'm not saying he did. I'm just saying that's kind of what a lot of people perceive it as. And I don't think, I mean, I know Senator Broxson fairly well. He's not likely to do that. I think that what's more likely is that he's been in office quite some time, 14 years. And in that time, he has seen an awful lot of issues connected to water and wastewater. And seeing the end of his time of public service come to an end, um, he's concerned that nothing much has been done over that whole time to really solve some of the issues. And I think he's looking at this and saying, I would just like to be able to leave office knowing that we put Santa Rosa County on a better path with regard to wastewater and potable water. I, I think that's what's going on here. And he thinks this is the way to do it. Because, you know, as we sort of shared the idea earlier, he's worried about the problem of water deserts where people just, they build homes that don't have access to any potable water. We, we are very concerned that uh, we don't want deserts in this county where people that want to come and live here will not be able to get potable water. So that was the nature of adding the, the nine districts. And it's not that they'd build houses that wouldn't have water, so they wouldn't build the houses, right, that they wouldn't develop because of that. And, you know... Capacity for water service is an issue he's thinking about. And uh, as you know, as you probably know, PACE has a system that has about two-thirds capacity uh, that they can use. And Milton is at a very, uh, very quickly coming to a point that they cannot issue any more permits. So this was the nexus of what the discussion started at. And then when you look at kind of the way the water systems in North Santa Rosa, and by north I mean like, you know, everything north of the Yellow River. You know, it's you might think of north as like in Escambia County, north means like cantonment north. And this is like mid to north everything. And, you know, you look at that and it's just, it's a, it's a hodgepodge of different systems, some large, some small. And each one of those kind of runs their own deal and takes care of themselves. And it's almost like the difference, it's not quite the same, but it's almost like the difference in the fire districts, you know, in Santa Rosa versus like Escambia County Fire Rescue, which is one thing for the whole county. Um, it's not quite the same because the fire districts all have mutual aid and mutual interaction and support and the water and 
sewer system sewer, uh, don't really work quite that way. Um, wastewater systems don't really work that way. But it's something like that. It's just it's just not a unified system. And he says, I think if we put it all together, somehow, if we make them all cooperate with each other, then maybe we can solve this problem of wastewater. Maybe we can solve this problem of potable water. Maybe we can solve this issue of you know not being able to issue development permits because we don't have enough uh, drinking water that people are able to do. And he says, you know, they're... they're concern to him or their expression to him is um you never talk to us about this and how would you why would you create a bill that totally changes the way we operate and impacts the lives of all of our citizens without talking to us uh, back on uh 21st i believe of october or 24th your legislative delegation gathering at gulf breeze this was first presented and uh, none of the uh, water system utility systems had been contacted uh, to have any input into the bill, and it was just put before us. This is Robert Smith with Point Baker Water System acting as the spokesperson for the kind of uh, union of these utilities that are now only unified in terms of wanting to fight back against this proposed legislation. And Doug Broxson says, well, we tried to contact you, but part of the reason I like this bill is because it sort of proves the point that it's hard to get a hold of you in, in in timely manner, and maybe if there was one centralized authority that did this, it'd be much easier to work with them. Tonight, Can I respond to that? Just Sure. We sure. have, our staff has spent quite a bit of time trying to contact each uh, board. It is a challenging process to get a hold of someone in certain districts and get a return call. So it's not that we didn't try. Now, we did not try... We did give public notice prior to the delegation meeting, and I'm sorry you missed that, but it was not an effort to catch you off guard. It was simply an effort to move statutorily what we had to do. We had to present it at that delegation meeting. So you didn't call us, so we tried to call you. You know, <laughs> Check to see if the, uh, the phone numbers are blocked. Um, <laughs> we still cannot believe Mayor Lindsay blocks Alex Andrade's phone number, won't receive texts or calls from him. Wild stuff. Anyway, back to this meeting. Um, we're talking about 100,000 people or so. So it's a lot. I mean, this is not some small deal. And um, their basic attitude is, look, we are responsive. Our customers love us. They never have complaints. We have meetings that go with nobody from the public showing up whatsoever. And uh, it's we're available 24 hours. Things are running well. Why do you want to fix something that isn't broken? There's no problem. And this is where Alex Andrade jumps in and kind of says, well, you are turning down people for development orders, right? Like you are denying builders the ability to tap into your water system saying you don't have enough water to give to them, right? Have you told anybody that you don't have capacity for them right now? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, and when you tell someone you don't have capacity for them right now, what is that person's option to go get capacity outside of your jurisdiction? They're not going to get it. They're not going to get it from any other water system either. That's not connected. And this is a this is a Tony. I think this is Tony Mathis with the Point Baker Water. He's I think the executive director or the director anyway. And his explanation after that was it's not because they can't provide service. It's because of kind of two issues. Number one, the developers will come and demand that. Point Baker, for example, pay for all of the piping that would get the water four, five, six miles out to the place that they want to build a subdivision. And he says, why would we displace that cost onto our ratepayers right now? 
that should be paid by the developer. If you want to build in a remote location, you build the utility access to that remote location, and then we'll provide the water. And so that's one dispute. And, of course, some of those developers say, well, why can't we cross the franchise line to get the water from somebody else that might be a little bit closer? And his answer is, why would we let you cross franchise lines when you're interfering with our profit capacity by giving somebody else our territory? Which is kind of playing both sides of this argument, right? You know, in, in, in a way, okay? We don't, it makes sense that they don't want to pay for the piping and, and infrastructure. But at the same time, if somebody else is willing to pay for the piping and infrastructure and you want to you know, prevent them from com- coming across your franchise boundaries, you, you, you can't have it both ways. You shouldn't be able to. Franchise boundaries are supposed to you know, incentivize the creation of something and benefit the customers. And if it's both disincentivizing the creation of something and harming the p- possibility of more people getting the service, well, they're failing their basic task. And that's where maybe the county would step in and change the franchise lines or allow exceptions. The other problem is that they said that people have an idea like, I'm thinking I might buy these, you know, 100 acres and turn them into houses. But before I even make an offer on the property, I'd like to find out if I can get water service to these houses. So they'll go to Point Baker and they'll say, hey, can you get me a letter that promises that I can have water for 300 homes for a year? I mean, like the promise will extend for a year and then it would expire after that. And so they'll write them this letter. And that means 300 homes of capacity has been promised to these folks for a year. And then the developer won't even buy the property. And they'll just kind of camp out on that water rights entitlement and not develop the property. And then it expires in a year. But in the meantime, somebody else has come to them and say, hey, can I build 200 homes over here, potentially? Again, on a sort of a theory. And Point Baker has to say, well, no, we're out of water because we already promised them. And then that one doesn't happen. And so basically he says, look, we've got 1,000 homes we've actually approved. And only about 200 of them are actually going to get built. And other people who come to us, we have to say no, because even at that ratio, we're being kind of risky. So there's a combination of practices with regards to new homes and developers and the franchise lines and the distances between some of these places that are wanting to be developed and the available alternatives right now. And so you put all of that together, and that's just on the potable, the potable water side. That's not on the like the wastewater side. But you can see that there's something of a picture of competition and or just division between all of these different agencies. And I think what Doug Broxson wants to do is he wants to find a way to bring all of that together in one happy family. And can we not solve these things as a group instead of trying to solve them, you know, one out of nine entities at a time. Now, I don't, I don't know whether this proposal would really solve much. Uh, I know that pretty much everybody who has talked about this seems to be against it. Um, which is not an encouraging sign if you're Doug Broxson trying to put this in. I am sure he has the best of all motives, but the public just does not seem to be on board with this at all. And probably if we weren't in his final year of term limited service, he'd go about this a little bit more methodically and slowly. But I think he's sort of getting to that end and saying to himself, I just don't want to leave him in the same state I found him when this is a problem that just hasn't changed in the last 14 years. And it is a problem for everybody. So that's kind of just like the short summary of um, everything. What they want in response, like their demands are basically kind of just make sure that this board that you want to create doesn't have any developers or developers' employees or developers' families on it or not a majority of and, you know, that the people aren't going to get paid and let's not turn it into an expensive governmental layer, an additional layer of government that typically, you know, nobody wants. Um, you know, we don't need that extra bureaucracy and we don't want the people who are going to reap the 
profits of changing the nature of how we do things to protect our customers. We don't want those people making these decisions. So that's kind of the, like your, your short 15-minute summary of how all this is working. 523 on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. And if you are thinking about a new home or thinking about, you know, maybe buying a rental, that you want to rent somebody else, uh, you know, kind of a capitalist thing to do. You might think about a vacation rental. And in recent years, vacation rentals have felt like the pot of money at the end of the rainbow. Like, it's just free money from heaven. Like, just buy one and then, you know, wait for the the tide of money to flow in. And Christina Leavenworth says, that has been true. It may not be quite as true today. And, in fact, some people kind of overinvested in that market and found out that it was much less true than they expected. And so she says, when I'm doing advice for people, I try to get them to think about more than one alternative. If you buy that home and the vacation rental part of it doesn't work out, can it be a long-term rental? Can you, you know, is it viable as this other thing? And she says, that's just one way we try to get people thinking about investment that maybe they hadn't thought of. And to me, that's the value of having a realtor do your work for you is because she'll give you not just answers to the questions you do ask, but she'll help you ask better questions that might get you into making more healthy, wise decisions in the long run. 723-9158 for Christina Leavenworth and her team at Leavenrinky Realty. Some days I cover up because of my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Now I'm hitting the road with clearer skin thanks to Sky Rizzy, Rizemkism of Rizza, a prescription-only 150 milligram injection for adults who are candidates for systemic or phototherapy. With Sky Rizzy, three out of four people achieved 90% clearer skin at four months. And Sky Rizzy is just four doses a year after two starter doses. Don't use if allergic to Sky Rizzy. Serious allergic reactions and an increased risk of infections or a lower ability to fight them may occur. Before treatment, your doctor should check for infection and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms, such as fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you plan to or recently received a vaccine. Thanks to Sky Rizzy, there's nothing on my skin, and that means everything. doctor today about Sky Rizzy, the number one dermatologist prescribed biologic in psoriasis. And visit SkyRizzy.com or call 1-866-SKY-RIZZY to learn more. As a business owner, you have a lot on your plate. Managing staff, growing your business, training new hires, and more. With so much going on, you need Avalon. An IRS certified PEO, Avalon HR can help from running your payrolls, submitting state and federal taxes, helping with COVID employee retention credits, workers' compensation insurance, employee benefits, and HR expertise. Avalon HR lets you focus on your core business while we handle the rest. Avalon HR, employing made easy. Hey, Kevin, how's the boat running? Well, you know, last week I started working on the water pump and now I can't remember how it goes back together. Dude, stop. Call Key Marine. They'll get you and your Mercury outboard back in the water so we can go back to fishing again. Key Marine gets the work done and lets you handle the fun. They'll fix any problem, big or small, even if the problem is you don't remember how the parts go back together. Key Marine, your Mercury outboard dealer on Bower Road in Pensacola. The cost of health care is all in the news. Tune in Tuesday morning at 10 on the Pensacola Expert Panel as ProHealth will be the guest and will be discussing how ProHealth medical membership programs can help you take out the stress and cost of health care. That's Tuesday morning at 10 as ProHealth will be the guest on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. 
It's News Radio Pensacola on 92.3, 95.3, AM 1620, the website, the app, or your smart device. It's news on your terms. Remember where you are. This is Thunderdome. Death is listening. And we'll take the first man that screams. All of the uh, Mad Max Road Runner movies, or, or Road Runner, <laughs> Road Warrior. <laughs> uh, all have the best chase scenes. I was thinking about that when I was watching Mad Max the other day, and I thought, uh, Beyond Thunderdome, uh, and I thought, oh man, these are some good chase scenes. They're so classic. 528 here on News Radio 923, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. It's Pensacola Morning News. Oh, somebody texted in a. Uh, a thought and said, you know, one of the things about this whole water proposal in North Santa Rosa is that uh, wastewater is not a profit maker. And so in order to make the expansion of wastewater capacity viable, like the Milton plant and anything else that gets done, you're going to have to connect it up with all of these disparate water systems. And so the water pays for the wastewater is kind of the expression. I don't know. Whether that's the case, I, you know, this person's pretty reliable usually. So I just, you know, that's one theory that I had not heard before. 528 on News Radio 923. Uh, David Wayne's in the newsroom with our headlines. David? An evacuation order's gone out for a South Korean island after North Korea fired hundreds of rounds of artillery shells near the coast. That island is about 540 miles west of Seoul. South Korea's Joint Chiefs of Staff said the uh, shelling didn't cause any damage or, and nobody was hurt, but it did raise tensions. ESPN and the NCAA have now signed a new $920 million media rights deal. The eight-year contract is worth more than $115 million per year, and it's uh, close to about three times the annual value of the current deal. And federal prosecutors have charged two men with uh, scoring more than $8.5 million in a vacation rental scam that uh, they ran on Airbnb and Verbo. The U.S. Attorney's Office in Los Angeles said that they've arrested uh, two people, one of them from Miami, another from Denver. Apparently they were double booking and uh, running all sorts of scams on uh, all of those websites. And here's here's an expression, David, that you don't hear very often. You ready? Poor Ted Cruz. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> so apparently, I did not know this, but apparently Ted Cruz is considered to be cursed. Really? With regards to sports events that to the point where like the Astros, you know, he's a Texan and he loves the Astros. Right. They actually asked him not to come to their playoff games <laughs> because he's reportedly such bad luck for everybody uh, that whenever he shows up, they always lose. Like he was at the Texas game, you know, against Washington and people were like booing him for being there. This is like a <laughs> widely known thing inside uh, inside Florida or inside Texas, apparently. Uh, when the Houston Rockets were knocked out of the NBA playoffs in 2018, he was in the crowd. The Warriors <laughs> winning 101-191. So, uh, <laughs> so they're not selling him any season tickets. Uh, yeah, they're actually when a team is actually asking your elected officials, please stay home and keep your goat with you. <laughs> Fox News. I'm Chris Foster. 
A second batch of documents is released related to the late sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein. The latest unsealed documents from a settled 2015 lawsuit against Jeffrey Epstein associate Ghislaine Maxwell feature an email from plaintiff Virginia Roberts Dufre alleging former President Bill Clinton threatened Vanity Fair not to write sex trafficking articles about Epstein. They also include photos of Maxwell at Chelsea Clinton's wedding. Fox's Kristen Goodwin, former Vanity Fair editor Graydon Carter, says the Clinton threat alleged by Virginia Dufre did not happen. The Labor Department's December jobs report comes out this morning. Economists are predicting that employers added 168,000 new jobs last month after increasing more than expected to 199,000 in November. While the overall pace of job growth is easing, the labor market remains tight with many employers unwilling to let workers go. Fox's Hillary Barsky, America's listening to Fox News. Good morning, 531 at News Radio 92.3. I'm David Wayne. Right now, partly cloudy. It's 40 degrees in Pensacola. Alabama authorities have confirmed a Pensacola man involved in a high-speed chase is what led to the death of a deputy in Georgia. That chase happened yesterday morning near Lynette, Alabama. 25-year-old DeCedric Donson was allegedly driving a stolen Dodge Challenger being chased by Eric Minix a deputy with the Coweta County Sheriff's Office. After that chase ended, Minix got out of his patrol car and was hit by a Lynette police officer. The Coweta Sheriff's Office says Minix has survived by a wife and three daughters. Donson now charged with felony counts of receiving stolen property and attempting to elude. A Florida House Republican renewing his attempt to lower the minimum age to buy rifles and other long guns in Florida. Representative Bobby Payne's proposal would lower the age from 21 to 18, reversing at least part of the law that was passed in the aftermath of the 2018 mass shooting at Stoneman Douglas High School. An identical bill was approved by the House during last year's session, but not taken up by the Senate. Well, there's now an effort to get Donald Trump off of Florida's presidential ballot. A political activist named Chaz Stevens has filed a civil suit in Broward County aimed at getting Trump off the ballot, citing the insurrectionist clause of the 14th Amendment. Trump, while not yet uh, convicted of any crime, has been uh, found to have uh, fomented the insurrection. He says a criminal conviction isn't necessary for Trump to be disqualified. That lawsuit, of course, following similar suits filed across the country now. Pensacola police say their new shot spotter sensors picked up some celebratory gunfire on New Year's Eve. And I think shot spotter only picked up between 8 and 10 shots. Uh, no injuries involved. In- That's PPD's Mike Wood. And, uh, he says that is a stupid thing to do as the bullet does have to come back down somewhere. Earlier this week, it was actually reported that a teen in Palm Beach County was hurt when a gun was fired in the air on New Year's Eve. Uh, since then, Florida State Representative Catherine, Catherine Walden, uh, Waldron has fired, filed a bill that would make shooting a gun on private property illegal if that bullet leaves the area. That bill uh, is one of many that will be debated during the upcoming Florida legislative session, which begins next week, runs through March. It is 534 News Radio 923. Let's get a look at our Channel 3 weather forecast this morning. This is meteorologist Brooke Bridgerton with your first morning weather update. We are going to have a chilly start to the day with some clouds building in through the afternoon. Showers and thunderstorms move in for the evening, 64 degrees for your high. Showers and thunderstorms will continue through the nighttime, low near 60 degrees. For Saturdays, the skies clear out, 63 degrees for your high, beautiful and cloudy with a low near 44. Sunday high near 59 and Sunday night temperatures dropping near 47. Stay connected to Channel 3 News First Morning Weather Team. Download the WEAR-TV weather app. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning 
420 Weather Center. Thank you very much, Brooke. Right now, 40 degrees in Pensacola, 41 in Gulf Breeze, and the cold spot this morning is Milton, 31 degrees there. Our next news at 6 o'clock. We've got breaking news anytime it happens. I'm David Wayne, News Radio 92.3. Are you ready for a triple dose of wit, insight, and laughter? Tune in to News Radio Pensacola for the Markley, Van Camp, and Robin Show from 11 to 2. Your daily dose of engaging conversation and hilarious banter. Join Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins as they tackle the biggest news stories, pop culture moments, and everything in between. They'll keep you entertained, informed, and laughing out loud from start to finish. Don't miss a minute of the fun. Tune in to the Markley, Van Camp, and Robin Show, 11 till 2 on News Radio Pensacola. When you were 18, you spent your spring break in Cancun. The party was legendary, and you speak of it often, even though you don't remember half of it. The geeky kid who sat across from you in math class stayed home, practicing calculus. You made fun of her. A lot. That is, until last year, when you owed the IRS a lot of money and called the certified public accountants at Benakis & Associates. And she answered the phone. Who's laughing now? The number crunchers at Benakis & Associates live and breathe accounting and tax preparation. It's practically in their DNA. When you need to know what the heck a Form 656-PPV is, call Benakis & Associates. When you need a QuickBooks Pro Advisor, call Benakis & Associates. When you need someone who practices long division for fun, call Benakis & Associates. Now in the historic district on 120 South Alconies and online at flacpas.com. Benakis & Associates. Leave the numbers to the experts. What's fun and happening in Pensacola? You'll find out as the City of Pensacola Parks and Recreation Department talks about it here on the Pensacola Expert Panel. Join us each month as we detail what's going on in your resource centers, parks, recreation programs, and the Community Maritime Park. It's a great month to get out and play Pensacola. Tune in this morning at 9.30. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. Start your mornings off informed with all things Pensacola on the Pensacola Morning News with Andrew McKay on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. I have ordered a complete internal investigation into the incident to review potential policy violations and Deputy Hill is placed on administrative leave effective immediately. We have an obligation to enter an intersection only when it is safe to do so. That is the bottom line. Uh, Scambia Sheriff Chip Simmons there talking uh, Wednesday afternoon about an incident that took place Wednesday morning, where, as you know, we've covered this a lot, and I'm sure you have seen uh, a lot of coverage of this on WAR. But in case you didn't, the quick history here is there was a van, a white van, a passenger, just a civilian van traveling southbound on W Street early morning hours, crossing a green light intersection at W and Brent. Meanwhile, going eastbound at that intersection, a um, sheriff's deputy cruiser lights on, entered the intersection, got hit by the van. The van driver was not wearing a seatbelt and was ejected and killed in the process. The deputy was injured, but not seriously. The deputy's vehicle looks like it was totaled, but um, terrible incident, horrible incident. But it raises the question about, you know, was the deputy following procedure on entering an intersection 
on a red light, but with his lights and presumably sirens, and we still don't know a lot of details. We'll be waiting for the investigation to forthcome, but that's what we know. And as Sheriff Simmons says, we are investigating precisely because we have rules about when you enter intersections. Talked about this yesterday. Uh, of course, I'm not going to, you know, wouldn't ask him to, you know, comment on the, the, the exact particulars, but we'll talk about this a little bit with Mike Wood, who is the public information officer for the Pensacola Police Department. Mike, welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Um, obviously, I'm not going to ask you to comment on the specifics of this case. Uh, that'd be inappropriate since they're still doing the investigation. I just thought maybe it'd be worth talking for a minute about PPD's policy on chases, if that policy has changed at all in light of the um, the increase in car thefts and thefts, car thefts being used for serious crimes, which is why the sheriff told us earlier this week that they have actually um, increased their willingness to engage in chase pursuits of stolen vehicles for exactly that reason. So just maybe talk a little bit about um, what PPD does now and how that policy has evolved over the years. Well, it's been the same for many years now. We're not going to uh, pursue a vehicle anytime that there's a dangerous situation, such as like in the daytime, like right now, we would have to, it would have to be a very severe, a violent crime, an, a situation where if we didn't stop that person immediately, someone else could lose their life. Uh, but it's different uh, in the it, during the night when there's no traffic or less traffic, and this is a call that has to be made by the officer. Uh, he knows how fast he's going, or the vehicle in front of him that's trying to elude him is going. He can he knows the road conditions, the weather conditions, and also it's a decision made by the uh, supervisor that's in charge. Yeah, so they um, I I still don't know in this particular case whether he was just responding to a stolen vehicle call or whether he was actually pursuing a stolen vehicle suspect or not, but we'll find out, I'm sure, eventually. But in either case, as you say, you can't just decide to engage in a chase on your own initiative as a deputy. You have to ask for permission from, like, a lieutenant, right? Well, you can go ahead and initiate the traffic stop, and then if the vehicle flees, you get on the radio and say the vehicle is fleeing in what direction and about uh, you know, about approximate speed that they're going. And then the decision is made within a second or two whether to engage that vehicle or um, cancel the pursuit. But, but like, you know, you've been involved in pursuits, I assume. Uh, I know you've been involved in, you know, lights on, sirens on, running and having to enter intersections. I, I imagine that is a scary thing every single time precisely because you never know. It, it is, and I have been, and it's something that you've got to think about um, you know, not only the person that you're chasing and innocent people, but you've got to think about yourself and your family, and you have to decide, is this worth it or not? Because I can tell you I've been a police officer for a very long time, and I'm also a father, uh, you know, and, and if something would happen to my family because they got hit by a police car, I'm going to be very concerned, and just like anybody else would be. So these are situations that can become very dangerous. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes uh, they have to be done under certain situations. Police work is not always pretty. It gets ugly very quickly, and that's something that we try to avoid as as, uh, as much as possible through lots of training. It's like the sheriff mentioned yesterday. They go through a ton of training on these type of scenarios, as does all law enforcement agencies. Right, absolutely right. And and I, I had the same thought. I thought, you know, well, this could have happened to my wife. I mean, then again, she always wears her seatbelt, which is not, you know, which wasn't certainly a factor in this particular incident. But I just think of, you know, I'm a citizen just going through a green light thinking nothing of it. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I mean, a cop runs a red light in front of me, 
even if sirens on, lights on, justified, that's still the kind of reaction you'd have as a citizen. Um, and I, you know, and I've we've had many conversations about chase policy for the city of Pensacola, and it's interesting. I'd never thought much about how daytime is more risky, precisely because people are up and about. Kids are likely to be out, whereas on a major street like Brenton W. Uh, at night, you know, early in the morning, it's less likely that you're going to have sort of you know, strays in that sort, but you still have the risk of traffic. Um, anything has happened uh, over the last week? I don't have anything on my radar that was a big event. Anything happened from your perspective? No, we didn't. You know, over New Year's Eve, we were kind of concerned about, we're always concerned about New Year's Eve with uh, DUIs and things like that, and we didn't have an overabundance of that. And, and I think Shock Spotter only picked up between eight and 10 shots, uh, no injuries involved. And, you know, that's a, that's a silly, it's a stupid thing to do is what it is, firing a gun up in the air uh, for celebratory reasons because that round has to come down somewhere and it comes down with a tremendous amount of velocity. Uh, can do a lot of damage. It can kill. Uh, you know, rounds have been seen going through the roofs of homes and ended up in bedrooms before. So uh, it's very irresponsible. But like I said, no injuries, and uh, we were we were glad to be able to say that. How did uh, how did ShotSpotter perform on New Year's Eve? Did it did it pick up a lot of stuff? Did it? It doesn't tell you when it's not telling you what it's hearing, right? Like it wouldn't tell you firecracker, firecracker, firecracker. It just doesn't report it because it's not a report that, you know, uh, to use the word the other way, that falls within its parameters for a gunshot, right? Yeah, I need to check and see if there was any confusion between shots and, and fireworks. A lot of times we're not able to to figure that out. If we didn't find any shell casings, that doesn't necessarily mean it was fireworks. So right. um, ShotSpotter is a very good good system that, that usually will determine the difference between a, a fireworks, a car backfiring, and things of that nature. Uh, we're still waiting on... What, final authorization from city council, and then we're going to have to order parts and then install parts. So it's not going to be right away, right? No, our target is is, is springtime. Got it. Okay. Uh, to right. get that up and running if everything goes through. All right. Yeah, right. Of course. The city council has to authorize it before anything else can be done. Fair enough. Uh, we always like to end with a, a did you know or a cop myth. Do you have one for me this week? Yeah, this has to do with emergency lights on police cars. You know, why did they? Why do we pick blue? Why do we pick red? Somebody, some of them are just blue. Uh, but in Florida, it's never going to be red. In Florida, law enforcement agencies must display blue lights under Chapter 316. And, and unlike yellow and green, which are colors we always see in our surroundings, blue can easier be spotted during daylight hours. Uh, red and blue lights together are highly visible and easily distinguishable from one another. Uh, but there's also been some studies that suggest that red lights will are seen easier in bright on bright sunny days and blue is seen and goes further at night so um oh uh, and also in florida there's no blue lights can be displayed anywhere on a civilian or a privately owned vehicle hmm. and a um a very popular rideshare company made and handed out to their drivers a light that goes into the windshield that has their logo on it that is blue. Mm. Uh, these lights are very are illegal in Florida. And, you know, if we if, if any Uber drivers or Lyft drivers or anybody else is listening to this that has a blue light in their windshield with the logo on it, uh, if an officer sees that, that's illegal, and you can, you can be fined for that. So wow. uh, in some states it's legal, you know. Like in Arizona and uh, New Mexico, there are blue lights on tow trucks and road construction vehicles. But in Florida, blue lights are for for law enforcement only. So in Florida, blue lights are always law enforcement or an illegal Uber or or the Kmart car. No, well, I'm not familiar with the Kmart car. But well, you know, but they, have that, they have that special. Ah, okay. I missed that one. My Boy, I deserve that response. <laughs> Wow. I 100% deserve that response. All right. Um, 
Mike <laughs> Mike Wood is the public information officer. What's that? You got me. <laughs> I think there was another term I heard earlier this morning on the show that I couldn't figure out what that was either. So I'm it's it's, it's going to be one of those. Oh, things. the, the abrosexual <laughs> for people for people yeah, who yeah were, I don't. Yeah, it's um, it's, uh, people, for people who weren't listening, by the way, we got the best text in on that. That's somebody who their sexual orientation fluctuates, so they go back and forth from being straight to being gay to being bi to being uh, all these different things. Apparently, that's all within the realm. And I got the best text in on that. Somebody said that um, this issue was addressed decades ago in a Mounds Almond Joy ad. Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. <laughs> well... You know, fortunately for fortunately for law enforcement officers, we don't get involved in any of that stuff, and I'm glad of it. I'm uh, also glad you do not. Mike Wood is the public information officer for PPD. Um, Mike, thank you so much, and I'm so sorry, but we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. 547 on News Radio 92.3, informative local juvenile. Uh, <laughs> oh, by the way, you and I were ta- uh, talking while this interview was replaying, yeah. Jake, and you— had kind of like had this exact experience with the blue lights, right? It was crazy because I was driving into work yesterday morning and it was about four, uh, yeah, four thirty in the morning. And somebody got behind me with one of those blue lights from the lift uh, service. And I thought it was a cop at first because I, that was the exact same blue light. And then I get to work and then he's talking about it. It was, it was wild. So I hope that guy I took that it down. interview with that topic just for you. Oh yeah. That's, but no, that's, that's, that's wild that you would have that exact experience of the thing yeah. that he and was I'd talking never, about. So. never seen those before, but yeah. Very interesting. Well, don't. If you're an Uber driver, don't do it. You might get a ticket for that. Take it down. All right. 547 on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. And if you're thinking about that next vehicle, trying to decide whether to buy brand new or almost new, I, you know, I recommend almost new. You know, almost new means you avoid the depreciation hit of buying the brand new car. You get it, you know, one person probably has owned it with, you know, maybe ten or 15,000 miles, one or two years of service on it. And you get a smoking deal on a car that's going to last you for, you know, what, 10 or 15 years. And if you do them like we do, I buy them I buy them at a very early age, you know, one or, you know, maybe two years or something like that, and I put two or 300,000 miles on them. That's what I do. And it has worked very, very well for me. It's what Dave Ramsey recommends that you do for cars. Um, and these are the kind of, at Frontier, the kind of cars that are, you know, not the, like, used car you got to worry about, but they're the used cars that you do not have to worry about. That's the idea. Frontier Motors serving the Pensacola community for more than 25 years, right behind the big buffalo on Beverly Parkway. Be sure to tell them Andrew McKay says hi. Remember when washing machines were made in America, were solidly built, and actually got your clothes clean? They aren't a thing of the past. They are Speed Queen, and they are available at Topps Appliance. Speed Queen washer and dryers combine durability and technology into the best washers and dryers in the world. Speed Queen will change the way you think about washing machines. They're built to last longer and deliver exceptional wash results. Unlike many other washers and dryers with plastic parts, Speed Queen uses commercial-grade steel and porcelain components designed to give you at least 25 years of reliable, trouble-free operation. That's why they come with lifetime warranties, the best warranties in the business. See store for warranty details. Speed Queen washers and dryers are built to work and built to last. If you want durability, innovation, and perfectly done laundry the first time, then you want Speed Queen. See these great Speed Queen washers and dryers for yourself at Topps Appliance on Highway 90 in Milton, just east of Stewart Street. Delicious seafood is what you'll find at David's Catfish House. David's Catfish serves only the best Mississippi catfish. 
fresh Gulf seafood and delicious homemade sides. Weekday specials include two times Tuesday, six free shrimp added to the six-piece dinner. Wednesdays offer lunch basket specials and everyone's favorite Shrimp-tastic Thursday, five bucks off all-you-can-eat shrimp. Serving fresh seafood daily. Visit David's Catfish House on Dogwood Drive in Milton and New Warrington Road in Pensacola. See you at David's. Gulf Coast businesses are estimated to lose over $100,000 to email scams. I'm Nathan with Data Revolution, and this is your Cybersecurity Tip of the Month. It's the season of giving, but criminals know you are more likely to click a malicious link if it looks like a good deal. Be wary of all marketing emails, and your bank account will thank you. Businesses along the Gulf Coast trust Data Revolution for their cybersecurity and communications needs. Google Data Revolution Pensacola for more information. Pensacola right now with Joe and Austin. 4 to 7 on News Radio Pensacola. Informative, local, dependable. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked. When you're unwanted, streets are uneven When you're down, when you're strange Faces come out of the rain When you're strange Can, can I say something that probably is verges on the sacrilegious, but I almost prefer the Echo and the Bunnyman version from Lost Boys. Yeah, I mean, I can, that's a, I can see that. It's a really good version of this song, and also the the sometimes you know the I mean the original's classic. Don't get me wrong, uh, but the Doors did have a a penchant for the song that let's just say drags a bit. Um, <laughs> certainly by today's standards. Oh man, five fifty one on News Radio ninety two three informative local, uh, musically uh, heretical. Um, David Wayne is in the newsroom with our headlines. David. A Georgia man's being treated for severe burns after apparently trying to open a bag of potato chips with a lighter. This happened in uh, Dalton, Georgia, southeast of Chattanooga. The man was 75, reportedly was struggling to open the bag with his hands, uh, and then tried to use How the lighter. How did a lighter become a part of this solution <laughs> well, set? Well, I don't. Maybe he thought the heat would build uh, pressure. There or are something. no knives I, yeah, in my entire know. house. I'm all out of scissors. I mean, a yeah. lighter. It's a bad idea, yeah, for sure. Uh, he accidentally set himself on fire, got third-degree burns over 75% oh of his God. body. Uh, no word on the man's current condition, but uh, certainly wishing him well in his recovery. Israel announcing its plans for the future of Gaza once that war is over. Defense Minister uh, Yoav Ga- Gallant uh, said yesterday that uh, their proposals for the future governance would be Palestinian bodies in charge with the condition that there are no hostile actions or threats against Israel. And uh, Andrew, you're from Illinois, right? Uh, yeah, well, from I mean, many places, but that is one of them. One of yes. the places you've been. That's that's the did most the, of of one other than here. That's right. Did uh, did the mail run a little slow there? Oh, like did I don't it take know. I don't remember letters? that being a particular issue. Uh, well, a letter was recently delivered to a family in Illinois, eighty years after uh, being written. The letter originally was written in 1943 to Lewis and Lavina George in DeKalb. Apparently it was lost in the mail until an unnamed postal worker came across it here just recently, tracked down the surviving family members, and delivered it. Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah, we never had that kind of problem. <laughs> not exactly. Well, know, not yet. They, they might show up at your door about 40 years from now. Okay, so that's what happened to that letter. Fair enough. <laughs> um, just I want to go back it to was that, a check. That, that potato chip <laughs> yeah. story. It was a check. Too late that's now. Right. <laughs> it's, it's worth a little bit less now. 
Um, the potato chip burn story. I'm trying to figure out like what happened here, and I just I have one theory: is um, you know how dust is highly combustible, mm-hmm. right? Like grain silos blow up because of the dust created by the corn, right? Right. Yeah. And so, uh, or other things like dust. It's it's surprisingly combustible. I remember my high school science teacher. He did an experiment one time. He just to prove the point to us. He put um, a little, like an aspirator kind of thing, inside of a paint can. And then sawdust on top of it with a lighted candle, and he pressed the little bulb to put the air through it to air to pour the sawdust, and he blew the paint can onto a target on the ceiling, like right. to teach us how dangerous dust can be for flammability. So I just I wonder if somehow the contained space of a bag of chips may be the dust inside and the. I'm just trying well, to figure out how you get a third degree burns on 75 percent of your well, body. Well, also, you know. If you've ever tried to burn a potato chip, those things will, uh, you know, they'll kind of melt down and turn into a puddle of grease as well. Oh, okay. So, you know. know. I've not tried that, but now you make me eager. Um, well, could have been <laughs> could have been Cheeto dust. It could have been. Yeah, been just, yeah, I don't know. It's such a bizarre, strange story. Mm. All right, David, thanks so much for the update. Uh, I guess I'm wanting to learn a lesson so I can defend myself in case I ever feel the need to open a bag of chips with a lighter in my future. 555 on News Radio 92.3. Oh, um... <laughs> Tell me your guess for least likely person to do on-the-ground reporting in Paris for the 2024 Olympics coming up this summer. Who's Pick pick a person that you think would never, ever, ever be that person for NBC. Anybody come to mind as the oh, never man. Olympics coverage? I mean, I hope it's not Roker. Snoop Dogg. Oh. <laughs> I can see that. Him and Martha are really big on, on the Today Show, so. Okay. Yeah. Well... You know, I don't want to say that, you know, he can't do it because apparently he already did previously for the 2021 Summer Games in Tokyo, uh, appearing on the uh, show on Peacock where, you know, Olympic highlights with Kevin Hart and Snoop Dogg (laughs) created specially for them. And they liked him so much that now they're bringing him mainstream. Um, He's already a gold medal commentator, said Molly Solomon, executive producer at uh, president of NBC Olympics production, generating tens of millions of views for his highlights commentary on Peacock of the dressage competition. (laughs) He covered dressage. (laughs) Yo, chill with me, fellas. See what this horse is going to do right up in here. Yeah, look at oh, this one here. snap. She got all of that bar. That's going to leave a mark. I mean, <laughs> just dressage. The joke in that trunk. Oh, I love it. Oh, my God. All right. Well, so he he said, he said, uh, where was his tweet? I, I had it highlighted here. Um, I'm going to I'm going to do my best to make to, to do Snoop's voice. We're going to have some amazing competitions. And, of course, I will be bringing that Snoop Dogg's. I, I got a little Southern on him. Uh, I will be bringing that Snoop style to the mix. It's going to be the most epic Olympics ever. So stay tuned and keep it locked. Let's elevate, celebrate, and make these games unforgettable. Smoke the competition and may the best shine like gold. Peace and Olympic love, you dig? That's that's as close as I get to doing a Snoop Dogg impression. I know it's pretty pathetic, but there it is. Hey, you, know. you get a little flavor of the, you know, the tone. So, um, I mean, got me. I would never watch dressage, but if I know Snoop Dogg is doing play-by-play on horse performing, <laughs> I'd probably watch that out yep. of just sheer what's going to happen here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's, you know, what is the job of NBC for the Olympics? To gain audience and make money, Right. They gain money by selling the ads and by having enough audience to sell the ads to more eyeballs. So, I, you know, look, as a marketing strategy. It's good. Makes sense to me. Uh, we also have a couple of um, 
extra companies or extra uh, yeah companies who are trying to make the first U.S. moon landing since Apollo. You know, lots of lots of countries have actually put stuff up on the moon. Some have not succeeded, uh, but you know, Japan space space agency is trying in two weeks. Um, the Pittsburgh's astro astrobotic technology is the first one that's going to plan a liftoff lander on Monday on a, a brand new rocket, United Launch Alliance's Vulcan. Houston's Initiative Machines aims to launch a lander in mid-February, hopping on a flight with SpaceX. And so, you know, India, China, Russia, all kinds of folks are uh, have done, are trying to, or soon will, put something up on the moon. You know, no people again. I, I said again, you conspiracy nuts. Anyway, um, you know, since quite a long time, but, you know, people recognize that the moon, you go to the moon, you go to Mars, right? That's how this is working. 558 on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Oh, did you watch the, God, this judge that got attacked mm-hmm. over the, like, the not even the barricade, but just up over the dais? Holy smokes, crazy stuff. As she was basically telling him he was going to get a sentence that he wasn't going to like. You know, we just... We need to protect judges better. This is crazy. Um, And, you know, I know a lot of judges carry, but on the spur of the moment when somebody just bum rushes you up the dais and jumps over the podium to get at you, and she was injured, you know, it's hard to get under the robes to get to your concealed carry or whatever. People jumped in to pull pull them off of her, but, man, what a scary incident. I'm, I'm glad it wasn't worse, frankly, than it turned out to be. You're listening to News Radio 92.3. WNRP Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.